Welcome to the Lance Wallnow Show. Today's show is sponsored by Birch Gold. Visit lancewallnow.com forward slash Birch. Wait until you hear what happened at our latest live event. Lance is bringing down the house. Let's jump in. So I go down to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the very first meeting of the Voice of the Apostles, Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, Leif Hetland, and they're all going to have their great thing going on there, and uh, I'm going to be part of the Voice of the Apostles. They only invited me to one. It's kind of interesting. And uh, <laughs> which is because, I could say they're anti-Semitic, but that's not the reason. It's because I get involved with the government mountain, and Christians get nervous. Everybody likes to talk about this. People don't like to do it. So anyway, I got up there and I said, you know what, I just saw this movie, Gladiator. I'm on my way down to meet Michael Cross. I got my film crew going to meet me in Atlanta. But I want to tell you about this movie, Gladiator. I think here's where the moment is we are. I said, I want you to think about this. There's this moment where uh, Maximus, Desmond Meridius, is standing there in the middle, the commander of the Felix Legions of Rome. And he's, he's basically been exiled. He's an underground gladiator from the northern school of Africa. He wants to be in Rome because as the commander of the Felix Legion, that, uh, that Marcus Aurelius, the true leader of Rome, his son has actually killed the father, and the son killed Maximus's wife, and the son tried to kill Maximus, and he doesn't know what happened to him, and Maximus is bent on revenge, and he's going to do it as a gladiator till he gets in proximity to that emperor, and then he's going to kill him. But while he's in Rome, he ends up with a different mission. He has to restore the republic to the people. He's, he's, his vengeance changes a little bit, and he has to try to save the nation. Well, it's a great little story, but here's the part that I want you to catch if you never saw the Gladiator. How many of you ever saw Gladiator? Well, okay, most of you got it. There's a scene where he is standing in the middle of the arena, just makes his arrival in Rome, trying to spy out the land. He's underground with a helmet on. And uh, suddenly he hears the proctor introduce what's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you a recreation of the second fall of mighty Carthage. And there on the barren plains of Sarnox stood the invincible army of Hannibal, brute mercenaries bent on death and destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the barbarian horde. Boom, and he puts his hand out, and everybody goes, boo, and Maximus looks around and goes, ah, we're the barbarian horde, evidently. This is a recreation, and we're the bad guys. Okay, I get it, and all the arenas booing, want to see them kill the barbarians. And then he says, and they were defeated by the legions of Scipio Africanus. And uh, Maximus knows as a general exactly what's about to happen. He says, all right. He knows that Scipio had chariots that ran down the foot soldiers of Hannibal. It was an unusual defeat because Hannibal was hard to beat. And so he says, whatever comes through those gates, we have a better chance of survival if we work together. Which always struck me as interesting because he's called the Spaniard, but he talks like a New Zealand accent, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Whatever comes to those gates, we'd better try to survive if we went together. And they all go, hmm. He goes, on oh, my command. He takes over. Well, he's Maximus. He's the hottest gladiator they had. They listened to him. And so, boom, the gates break open. The chariots come flying down. As I'm in the theater, Spirit of God starts to hit me. I get goosebumps over my arm. I go, oh, this is weird. I normally don't get Holy Ghost meeting me in a theater. I mean, if anything, 
I'm half worried if the rapture happens, I'm in the wrong movie, will I go? Chariots come swarming out, and Maximus gives these lines. And every, every line, I'm sorry to say, is almost like a prophetic injunction. Come together. Come together. Closer. Closer. And you see these gladiators over there with their spears. They're backing in. They're backing in. And then they draw a circle around themselves. And he says, lock your shields. And then boom, 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 boom. All of them lock their shields in a perfect 360 degree, what's called Roman tortoise position. They've created a wall and shield around them to compensate for what's coming against them. Very important. You have to be in a company that knows how to walk in unity enough to lock their shields because you can't cover everything. You need to trust somebody to be covering your butt while you're covering their butt. You're both facing two opposite directions. You can't be looking over your shoulder and looking here. Someone's got to be taking care of praying for you, your family, and covering your finances. Terrible thing when a pastor in a ministry is believing God for financial blessing and ex expansion, and the church isn't functioning and, and, and prospering and giving the way that God intends, and then the stress comes on, then they got to look over their shoulder, they got to do banking, they got to do all kinds of other gimmicks in order to get money going, and then their anointing starts to drop. That's what happens when the devil takes good people out. Anyway, they got their... 360-degree Roman tortoise, lock your shields. The chariot comes down. It's barreling down, barreling down, barreling down. And just as it comes up and intercepts them, Maximus says, hold, hold, as one. It's a crazy thing to say, as one. And they shout back, as one. And the chariot bashes into the shields, and boom, their unified overlapping shield creates a Probably some kind of a, and, and Nick can explain it to us, it was a force multiplying effect. <laughs> it's that the overlapping, sh each shield strengthens the other shield. If it was just one, they get mowed over. But the fact they were overlapping created this overlapping. Thirteen of them were able to resist one chariot. Boom, the chariot bounces off the wall. The crowd goes, ooh. It's as though something's starting to break off the crowd. Oh, it was a fascinating thing. Look at this. That's interesting. Then they come a little bit closer to go see what's going on. Next thing you know, Maximus says, well done, just like Jesus would say. And then he says, they're going to come back. Hold. They come back again, this time with greater determination, greater force. They're barreling down right down the middle. They've got to break this thing up. This time, Maximus gives a different command. You don't hear it unless you look at the subtitles. He says, hold, hold, hold. Then he goes, diamond. Diamond was an Alexander the Great command. Alexander the Great, military genius when his enemies were rolling down carts filled with rocks and boulders upon his troops ascending up. What, what, what Alexander told me to do is, I want you to lie down and make a perfect ramp of overlapped scales. Lie down, one shield over another shield. They get under them, and they all collapsed under their shields. And the, the carts came down, tons of debris rolled right over his army and went over their heads, and then they rose up and went right up and took them out. Diamond. They knew what they had to do. Tilt the shields. So this time, as, the, as this uh, thing came with ferocity, they wouldn't be able to stop it. This time, it would break them up. So they leaned down and, laid, and layered their shield at an angle, and then they pushed with their shoulders and flipped the chariot. Woo! Now chariots are flying. <laughs> Maximus gives the command, single column, single column. Fortunately, all these guys were trained in the army. They were all conscripts from military campaigns. They were good fighters. They could take orders. They go, boom, on this side, boom, on this side. Maxus jumps up on one of the chariot's horses, cuts off the chariot, gets on the back of it, and goes up behind them while they're reorganizing and starts taking off their heads. Fascinating piece of, piece of cinema. And by the way, 
It's a biblical thing. You read Zechariah where the Lord says, upon his horsemen taking off the heads of the charioteers. It's literally a biblical statement. Well, the crowd now, instead of cheering against the barbarian horde, is now going, Maximus, Maximus, Maximus. He's on his little white horse. And I tell the story. And I say to everybody up there, and I'm taking you back in time now to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, first voice of the Apostles event. Heidi Baker, Randy Clark, Bill Johnson, all these mighty people of God. I'm on my way to go meet Senator Cross. I just gave him the Seven Mountain Revelation. And I go, I believe this is a historic moment. Let's rise up. And we'll ask the Lord to unify the church in this hour because I believe the gate, whatever the gates of hell sends against us, we have a better chance of survival if we work together. I believe what Russell Crowe said is a word prophetically. The goosebumps were on me in the theater. Just like they're on me now. Whatever hell sends through those gates, the church has a better chance of survival if we lock our shields. I said, rise up. And on the count of three, we're going to say as one. And we will say as one when we say as one. Just as Jesus said, Father, I pray that they be one as we are one. We'll be in unity for this end time thing. Rise up. And they rose up. And I said, on the count of three, one, two, three, as one. They said, as one. And I kid you not, as we said as one, the angelic realm echoed right on top of us. As one, right on top of the room. And like the Bible says, some said it thundered, some said this. Some people just shouted and cried. Some people freaked out and started screaming. Because some people thought it was an echo in the room, and other people knew it was angelic voices. We're entering a period of time that has increased hostility against people of faith. It's a time when Christians are going to be tested on a moral, physical, psychological, and even a financial basis. I'm here to remind you that God is the one who has blessed you thus far, and he will take care of you in the future. You have a divine responsibility, however, to see trouble and prepare yourself. For example, with record inflation eating away at the value of the U.S. dollar, the savings in your retirement account is in danger of slipping away. I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. And that includes no penalties, there's no taxes, when you transfer current retirement funds into Birch Gold. To see how it works, I want you to go to lancewalla.com forward slash Birch and get your free info kit, and you'll be glad that you did. I went back to that same room. I said, I've got to know. I've done it 30 times. We cannot get the angels to agree with us because it was the first time, and it, wasn't, it was a sign. And I, so it wasn't a natural acoustical effect. It wasn't some kind of an echo off the ceiling. It was a divine angelic as one. Because if we move the way heaven wants to move, then heaven and earth are moving as one. Does that make sense? But I also think in a weird way, it was a vindication of my message, which is why it was very unusual. When I went down to Georgia after that, after getting my missing pieces there from Lauren Cunningham, a youth with a mission in Kelowna, British Columbia, and then going down there and having, yeah, there's one with angels in agreement. And then I got my camera crew, Michael Crotz. Tell me about the seven islands that grew up out of the ocean that became mountains. And the great mountain that appeared behind them. That is the mountain of my kingdom. He looked at me and he said, what? I said, you know, your experience. He goes, well, I don't remember that. I go, you don't remember, you don't remember that? He said, oh, no, no. 
I remember that there was this lake in front of me and that these spheres, these islands grew up out of the lake and out of the lake there was these islands and then that suddenly God's people were standing on those islands and the Lord said in a time of shaking with the shaking hands, I noticed that they were God's people in occupations. They were weird because there was like the business guy and the shopkeeper and the, this person. It was people with occupations. They were standing in spheres and God said they're ruling in their kingdom. And I saw that in a time of shaking, God's people are going to be standing and occupying the spheres that they've got. I was so upset because I just had Brit- Cologne and British Columbia and the entire voice of the apostles all given false doctrine on my seven mountain revelation. This is the origin of the seven mountain revelation, by the way. And I called up Debbie Oren, Kim Clement's secretary. I said, my gosh, Debbie, you got me preaching the wrong thing. I said, the preacher's great, but it's an error. And she says to me, Dr. Lance, I don't know who you talked to, but I didn't talk to you. I said, Debbie, this is the number I called. And you are Debbie. And you work for Kim Clint. And I asked you what happened with Michael Christ. She goes, I'm not saying that you didn't talk to someone. I'm saying you didn't talk to me. And I'm the only person at this number. I hung up the phone. I ask you, who was I talking to? So I called back Mike Krotz. Mike Krotz and I became great friends. He called me up. He called me up uh, last summer. He called me up last summer in, in July. I was in Aruba at the time. And he called me up. He said, Lance, I want you to know something. He said, you know what the Lord told me? He said, you are only going to remember part of what you experience in heaven. I'm gonna, I'm go- you're going to remember only part of what happens he said, I actually believe the seven mountains was what this vision of heaven was all about. I'm calling you to tell you the seven mountains is the reason that God gave me that whole revelation in heaven. I think the seven mountains is the message. I believe this was part of what God ex- I experienced up there that I didn't recall. Because I could only recall the little part that he wanted me to remember. You've got to get that message out again. I feel that time is now. I go, huh, really, Mike? He goes, get a book out now. Because right now is the time when the arena is going to open up, when the enemy's coming in, and God's people need to lock their shields in every mountain. I said, okay, Michael, let's get together. He said, I'd like to go to Detroit with you. I go, you want to go to Detroit? He said, yeah, where Kim went, we got a lot of invitations, let's go. A day later, I get a call from Kim Clement's daughter, crying and sobbing. Lance, have you heard? Heard what? Michael Krotz is dead. He goes, not dead, I just talked to him. She said, no, he finally is dead. Phyllis called me. (laughs) He's dead, and he just died. He died the day after he called me to tell me the message I got was from heaven. He's convinced he got that in heaven. He's convinced that what I'm preaching is what he was seeing, and that I've got to get the message out. Then he dies a day later. I called Phyllis up. I said, Phyllis, she goes, I heard the whole conversation with Michael Lance. I was in the room with him. I heard everything he told you. I believe God had him talk to you before he left. So, I'll leave it with you. Mysteries, aren't they? They're big mysteries. Who did I talk to? Where did I get that extraordinary story from? And why would God show up when I'm preaching it? And then how come I got those seven? It's not just me. It's Lauren Cunningham. It's Bill Bright. We've got tons of knockoffs. Everybody else preaches the same message. But here's the point. The Lord says to me, gates of influence. I started asking him, I said, well, how does this work, these world kings? Lord, at the top of each mountain is a small company or a remnant that have disproportionate influence at the top of that mountain. 
Understand where the gates of hell are located. It's kind of an abstract idea. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Gates are organized militarily like hierarchies. It's principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heaven. But Satan has a hierarchy. He's a military commander. Michael has armies. It's the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angelic armies. You're, we're the only part that's spastic. We're the part that doesn't have an army. Everybody else is organized. We're like... And I'm telling you, it really gets crazy. I mean, our idea of, a, of, of an assault on the kings of darkness is 100 people blowing shofars. I, I don't know what we're doing, and I'm Jewish. <laughs> well, it's taken care of it, Brother Lance. I don't know. Blowing the shofar isn't the only thing that's going to work. So I start looking at these structures, and I say, wait a second, children of Israel, my friends, you're supposed to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be above and not beneath. I'm telling you, this, this, you're not supposed to be down here looking up. You're supposed to be owning this mountain and occupying these gates. Why? Because I will build my church and these gates will not prevail against them. The problem is the church, the ecclesia, isn't going up against the gates. And I'm convinced it's because we need a Babylon model because we're heading into Babylon. Book of Revelation, Babylon is the end time metaphor for the world, what it looks like. Babylon is when the world system is under the control of darkness, but God has his Daniels. He has his Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He has them in high places. And by the way, these guys here gathered together as a small group. They met in the government mountain. So let's say this here. I'll put a crown up here. Let's say this is the government mountain. Daniel and his folks were meeting at the top of that mountain. And they're meeting at the top of that mountain. If you don't mind me putting it this way, their meeting enabled them to have authority over hell in that mountain. Daniel was put in charge of all the wise men. Why do you think they put him in the lion's den? You all know the little story, Sunday school, Daniel in the lion's den. What you don't know is it was for envy, jealousy. Because here's the problem. Everybody wants favor, but favor provokes your enemies. The more favor you have, the more people will hate you without a cause. To the degree that witchcraft is in them, they will sense that you have authority over them and they'll resent you and want to take you out, which is why they want to lock up Donald Trump right now. They don't like the movement coming from outside the gates. They don't want people rising up and doing and taking over. They want to be in control. So... The church right now is still stuck in the model of being over here, trying to have Holy Ghost meetings, signs, wonders, miracles, woo, even grow, we get bigger, more signs, wonders, miracles, get on TV, woo, bigger conferences, bigger speakers, woo. and what happens? The whole city goes to hell, elections get stolen, crime proliferates, and your children get totally re-educated by the left to be discipled, to be filled with demons. That's some victory there. And it's inevitable, because you're supposed to go into all the world, not isolate yourself from all the world. Now, I was, the, I was a church growth expert. I believe that if we grew this thing here big enough, we could suck everybody else in. <laughs> then one day the Lord said to me, what part of go ye into all the world do you not understand? I said, but Lord, I'd rather have a revival and have them come ye. <laughs> I want to come ye move of God. Like Toronto, everybody come ye, 24 hours a day, revival, Ooh, people falling down the glory cloud, miracle signs and wonders. 
Royston, your problem is everybody wants Rachel. Rachel's revival. Nobody wants Leah. She's the unattractive sister that produces the kingdom. The priesthood and the Messiah comes out of Leah. Nobody likes Leah. Leah's not pretty. Leah's ugly. But revival's beautiful. Oh, we love beautiful revival. But getting involved with politics, getting involved with business, getting involved with finance, getting involved with corruption, getting involved with trafficking, getting involved with the school board. Oh, that's so strifeful. I just think if I'm going to be really pure, I'm going to blow the shofar and go on a fast. <laughs> Completely irrelevant and useless. So here's, here's the uh, call for your church, if you don't mind me saying so. I believe you to be a, a, a prophetic church and an apostolic church. I believe you to be a new model church. I don't believe that your strength is to be determined by how big you get in terms of your gathering power, but how big you get in terms of your facilitating power. That means how many of you can gather people that have mountains on the inside of them, they're called to take, that are frustrated because they're supposed to have an impact out there, and you're supposed to be the ones that do it because the church, here's the, uh, here's the analogy, Moses by the way, I'm a Levite. I'm an Ashkenazi Jew on my father's side. Long line of rabbis that go all the way back to Moses over here. Moses and Aaron, they hold up the, uh, the rod over here. Joshua is the Goyi guy that goes in and takes the land. 90% of the Jews were going in against the Philistines, while 10%, the Levites, were up there interceding, praying, preparing, and anointing, and equipping. The ministry here is to equip you to go ye and take something. I'm not getting a lot of applause because some of you don't know. That's where your calling is. And if you're not going to go ye, then what argument do you have with death when plagues come? Oh, God save me. You're going to start quoting Psalm 91. Here's an interesting verse. <laughs> if you want to really be delivered from premature death, this, the best way is not to try to build up your confession faith antibodies. It's to be involved with an assignment. Because if you're involved with an assignment that God has you on, you're indestructible until God's assignment is done. When Paul was stuck on a ship that was about to be shipwrecked, he had one glorious consolation. Jesus appeared to him prophetically in a vision and said, you must appear for me in Rome. In other words, his face was in the future. What you want is a clear prophetic assignment that guarantees that this is why Moses prayed that David could say, a thousand fold at my right and 10,000 at my left hand. Not because I have a better word of faith revelation. It's because your vows are upon me. What vows? The assignment I've got. I've got a job to do. What makes you indestructible isn't the fact that God loves you more than the other person that dies. It's the fact that you're on an assignment. We all die or we're all going to get raptured, but we're all, we're all going to be. The point is, the distinction between you and someone else is an unfinished assignment. I'll tell you what your assignment is. Go ye into all the world. There's territory Jesus wants, he wants to get. There's angels that are absolutely bored. Bored angels. I sometimes worry about that. I don't want to go traveling around and have my angels looking at Bill Johnson's angels and say, I wish I was with them. I'll tell you another weird thing that happened. Since I'm being strange, I'm going to turn this meeting, meeting back over to the pastor now, so I ran out of time. I had this one time I was up there, I was murmuring. I had to do, I had to do a project of Moravian Falls. I didn't want to go. And every time I'm home, I want to stay home. I complain about coming out to places. I stopped doing that because I believe I'm led by the Lord when, I'm t when I say yes. But then I forgot I was anointed when I say yes. And I get back home and I, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I want to stay home. 
And then I'm home. I remember one time I had an intercessor friend of mine from Great Britain come over. He's a guy that helped to build the nuclear, uh, build the rocket, uh, the aerial defense of, of uh, Europe. The funny thing is, he's also a prophetic intercessor. He's really wild. So he sees angels. I don't see them. I'm in my house walking around. He, he, I said, I said, Neil, Nick, I'm so sorry. I just have this commitment I've got to keep. Moravian Falls. I said I was going to do an event. I got 100 business people. I got to go. Wish I didn't have to. I got to try to stop doing those meetings. I, I forgot. I got to leave you here alone. Sorry. Okay, no problem. And so he's there walking around the house with my cat, Lucius. And he's walking around. He says, he calls me up. He goes, I, I went into your office with Lucius following me around praying and I saw a, 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 a bunch of angels in your office. And I said to them, they, they were stand, I said, what were they doing? He said, they were standing around talking. <laughs> and I said to them, what are you doing here? Lance is in Moravian Falls. And they looked at me, and they looked at each other, and they shot right out the window. <laughs> he said, I'm just saying, I think the meetings will go better now. Oh, my God. And the meetings did go better. I said, Lord, what is that? That's so weird. What's going on? Lord said, you're binding up your own angels. I said, what? Every time you complain about what you've got to do, you bind your own blessings. From now on, start to thank me for everything that you say yes to, because whether, you're, whether you know it or not, I'm at work in you, but the willing to do my good pleasure. And you bind the anointing by complaining every time you have to do something you don't want to do. Start thanking me and release the angels. I had no idea. So I started getting that revelation, started to thank the Lord and loose my angels before I get places. And things get set up and they flow better. Does that make sense to you? Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. Now's the time to go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your MyPillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code Lance to save big on all of Mike's best products. That's promo code Lance. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends. Because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.